Well, 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 look who finally decided to show back up. I don't know what you're talking about. I just went to grab a snack. It was like 10 minutes. Dude, what do you, what do you mean? These people, but they've been waiting. We forget it. Forget it. All right. Let's just get back into it. Episode starts now. We're going into chapter 12, the mirror of Erised. So this is a big chapter, I think, in my opinion, Drew. I don't know if you feel the same way. So it's going to be a little fun at the start, but towards the end, we're going to kind of go get a little more serious. It's going to be a little more on a feels trip as we get to the end of this. What else can I say but buckle up? Drew, what do you think? What do you think about that? Do you agree? Do you have a different perspective? No, yeah, absolutely. This chapter and uh, chapter 13 both kind of blend together for me because I'm they both point out so much endgame stuff that it's hard to ignore. Yeah, definitely agree with that. So our chapter opens up and fall for the early Quidditch season quickly turns into winter at Hogwarts. And though the seasons do end up changing, there are a lot of things that don't change. We get some really good familiarity. And we start with some uh, comedic relief from the Weasley twins where they're being super sneaky following along with uh, Professor Quirrell and bewitching snowballs to fly at the back of his head. Which this is as we... <laughs> literally my favorite thing in the entire series, not book one, the entire Harry Potter series, this one line is my favorite line. One of the greatest acts of resistance we'll ever see in the entire book. <laughs> the Weasley twins are forever going to be my series MVPs. It's not just one Weasley is our king. The entire Weasley family is our uh, kings and queens. That includes Percy, though, so I don't know about that one. Yeah, we barely see Charlie, too. Okay, so I, most hey, of the... I love Charlie. Quidditch expert goes on to use his Quidditch kills to tame dragons. Like, how much cooler do you get? I don't think you get too much cooler. That's pretty sweet. And every time they describe him, like you guys will see further along, every time they describe him, he's like, dude is dummy thick. He just comes around. He's like <laughs> ripped forearms, like scratches from dealing with dragons, miscellaneous birds all over him. He just looks like rugged and all that stuff. So they definitely build him up as he's like some, he's one bad dude. And that's why he's definitely a fan favorite. If you guys listen to the Potterless podcast with Mike Schubert, dude absolutely loves Charlie Weasley, even though you barely see him. So I can kind of get behind him and see where he's saying with that. But in my personal opinion, I don't think we see truly enough of him to rank him in the upper echelon of Weasley's. I do think he's cool, but I don't know. I I can't rank him that high without that many interactions. No, the twins are just literally everywhere. Like they are the perfect comedic relief, but then they know exactly when to turn it off and be nice. Like the first time they were talking to Harry and whenever we see them with Ginny, they're always extremely nice when the people who need them to be nice are there. Whereas with Ron, they know Ron doesn't need more push forward. They know that in his heart, he's going to be okay. So they just bust him nonstop. They, they are perfectly in tune with other humans emotions. Exactly. They are really true to sticking with a true, like older brother, younger brother dynamic. And I think they pull that off pretty well. Absolutely. And then, of course, the I'm Fred, he's George constant jokes are hilarious. Yeah, they are really funny. I always enjoy those. Gred and Forge. (laughs) (laughs) So adding to even more good news here, Malfoy is trying to liken Harry to a largemouth tree frog and make fun of how he caught the snitch. But unsurprisingly, this is not going well at all because it's debut Quidditch match and he caught the snitch in ridiculous fashion so that's going to make you more popular and not like make you the butt of jokes yeah malfoy you got to know when to sit the bench (laughs) like right after the game if you want to argue that it's against the rules to swallow the the snitch like all of slytherin did completely understand that but once that's passed you have to understand that was a super cool move and you have to just get over it you can't try to make fun of a super cool move that's not how that works 
Oh, dude, exactly. And then he's got his one kind of joke for each member of the trio that he always sticks with. And we could even, we'll even expand that to Neville a little bit later. So when that naturally doesn't work, he's got to dig back into his bag of tricks. He's like, all right, where's the, here it is, dead parents card. So he just plays the dead parents card in the uh, potions dungeon here and starts to make fun of them that way. So, I mean, though it's pretty stale, Malfoy. Nice try. Get some better jokes. Which blows my mind because Slytherins to me have always been the most creative in that way. Like Hufflepuffs might be like artistically creative, but Slytherins should be the best at making new insults. So the fact that he sticks to one insult for every person just seems lazy to me. Like, come on, Malfoy. Yeah, he's rich. He doesn't have to be creative. True. Um, Yeah. <laughs> So keep going along here. Like we learned that the kids have the option of heading home for Christmas, but Harry is all too quickly to say, fuck that. I'm staying here. And lucky for him, uh, the Weasley family is going to, I think they're going to either, I think they're going to Romania to see Charlie. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're going to see Charlie. Yeah. Which brought up a, a weird thing for me. You can't see Charlie at any other point in the year. Like I understand they work, but that you can't take a vacation week because you understand that all of your kids who are at, uh, Hogwarts will not be able to see you until summer now because you chose to go and see your one son in a different country. Yeah, that's fair, but they got each other. I think they'll be okay. You'll see that Percy, the twins, and Ron are sticking around at Hogwarts. So, like, they'll have each other to hang out, and they'll be, as a bonus, they'll be keeping Carrie company for one of his first Christmases. Very true. Away from home. Which meanwhile, is Ginny. Better for him. Meanwhile, Ginny's just partying in Romania by herself. 10 year old Ginny just flying around on dragons. Yeah, she's on vacation with mom and dad. She's having a great time. I bet. Oh, I bet she is. So I really like that they're sticking around, hanging out with them, keeping them company. And of course, we we run into Hagrid when he's coming in with the uh, with the trees. They're making him lug everything in by hand to set up the Great Hall. Not cool, guys. Like, help him out. Give him a sled or something. And Magical school of witchcraft and wizardry, and you hire the guy who doesn't have any magic to move things. Hey, man, you got to give him some duty. At least have Filch help him out. Like, do something. Just rude. Horrible. Goes back to my argument about how Filch is the caretaker, too. Like, I legitimately feel bad for Filch. Poor guy doesn't have any magic. He's got to clean the entire castle by himself. Yeah, I think if anybody, like, I think Filch is probably one of the more complex characters to hate and also feel bad for. Because, like, I definitely have stretches where I really feel bad for him. But then other times I'm like, wow, this dude's a narc. I can't stand him. I have never hated Filch once. That's his entire job. That's like saying that the guards in high schools are narcs. Like, that's literally what they're paid for. Very fair point. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to talk about later. I think you could make a in defense of Filch. I don't even think it's well. necessary. Hey, man, it could be. I feel like you could find a bunch of people to debate. Maybe Brandon and Billy will want to debate you on that, especially Billy. Billy knows more about the series than Brandon does. Brandon's still relatively new. All right, listeners, if you think that Filch is a horrible human and needs someone to defend him, go ahead and let us know. Because I, I don't think it's a popular opinion that he's a horrible person. I think he's just doing his job. I love how into it he gets, too. Like, when he catches a kid doing something wrong, he's excited. Because it's his job, not because it's like he likes tormenting kids. At the same time, he gets excited to use the chains in his office. So, Drew, <laughs> it's a little hard. All right. Maybe a defensive fill is just coming, too, then. He's got that song by Rihanna SNM just on repeat in his office, just like ready for when the kids are doing bad enough and Dumbledore gives him the go ahead to use his chains. <laughs> Let him rip Filch. <laughs> Man. And then like they run into Malfoy and Malfoy's like hit he right back in his bag of tricks. He's like, Oh, not not Potter this time. I got Potter before. Huh. Got him. Score one for Malfoy. <laughs> then he puts it away and he pulls out, huh? Poor Weasley's card, plays that down. Starts throwing out some like Weasley's are poor jokes, and Ron naturally he's about to beat that ass, but like here comes Snape, and of course who's the one that loses points here? It's gonna be 
gonna be Ronnie Dubs. He's gonna lose a couple points. Which oh two, but I like, thought this was super weird that Hagrid's literally right there, and he doesn't subtract points or defend Ron in any way. Like he says a quick one-liner to Snape, he's like, "Hey, Malfoy started it." But I guess this means that Hagrid isn't a real professor or doesn't have point adding and taking rules at this point. Because uh, I feel like he would have just given the points back to Ron immediately if he could. You are correct. He does not have those capabilities yet. And I think even, like, this is a little bit of a spoiler for you guys. We don't really meet the professor very much, so it's, like, no big deal. But there is a former professor for a class called Care of Magical Creatures that Hagrid ultimately replaces in book three. And he becomes the Care of Magical Creatures professor going forward there. And even when you see him in that role, he very rarely gives points out. So maybe he just doesn't it like hasn't sunk in that he could do it once he's at that point, especially like right now, it looks like he's so used to not being able to. Right. At that point, I, this also makes me think that Filch can't give her ad, add or subtract points either. I just always oh, assume totally that not. any employee at Hogwarts could. So I, I didn't think that only professors could. Nope. Only professors, but I think prefects have the ability to give detention, which makes sense. Or they might be able to actually, no, it's weird. I need to, we'll have to look into it more when we get back to, order of the phoenix when prefix starts to take a little bit more of a front like front facing uh role again but i think they could also slightly like give little bits and pieces of points and take them away i think it's mostly taking away yeah super interesting that hackard doesn't there then no respect for our groundskeepers and our hall monitors i mean for one of those yeah <laughs> there's no respect for either of them drew <laughs> Hagrid gets his own house. Filch gets like a little closet in the dungeon. You've got me thinking. I don't know if he has a bed in there either. It's, it's just him and Peeves just rolling around on the floor. Mrs. Filch clawing him up. Or Mrs. Mrs. Norris, not Mrs. Filch. <laughs> oh my god. There is no Mrs. Filch. The man is lonely. Leave him alone. I feel bad. <laughs> There's a lot of theories on who the, the cat is that like used to be his wife and he did something wrong. Someone cursed her or something like that. Oh, interesting. I could get behind that theory. I like yeah. that theory. Yeah. And, like, Dumbledore took pity on him, and that's why he hired him, was because he got his wife cursed, and he can't undo the curse. Very cool. I like I like where your head's at, Drew. So we need to get back to the chapter, though. We so, do. We're, this is a very long at this point. Yeah, we're, we're going to keep on rolling, though. So Hermione comes in, joins the rest of the group, and they're all hanging out with Hagrid. And they announce that they're going to the library. And Hagrid's like, oh, I'm a bit keen to get into schoolwork, eh? And then Harry's like, oh, no, we aren't working. Like, ever since you gave us that Nicholas from Elf name drop, we've been trying to figure out who this dude is. And Hagrid's, like, shaking his face. He's like, are you dang kids? All frustrated. They're like, Hagrid, if you just tell us who, who he is, it'll save everybody the trouble. But absolute shocking twist of fate. Hagrid claims he's not saying anything. And... At the, at the gang just remains at a loss of what Snape could have been after underneath Fluffy. They also only ask him once, like ask him two more times and he'll probably answer. Oh yeah, especially if they're at his hut and like Hermione butters him up, it's, it's game over at that point. It'll be locked in. So the group doesn't have very much much success when they're searching in the library. Um, and we get a very good look into the inner workings of the minds of both Hermione Granger and Ron, Ron Weasley here in terms of trying to find the answer. So... We're going to start with Hermione Granger. She knows that we have to resolve something. She makes a very organized list of possibilities that she should get to work on and then begins to tactically pull the books from the shelf. Meanwhile, we look over at Ron. He goes to a shelf, starts randomly picking books off the shelf. He's like, oh, this one looks cool. Oh, maybe we'll find them in here. And they're like totally different, like miscellaneous stuff all over the place. 
So very interesting look inside their different minds here. Harry has the idea that maybe he should take a look in the restricted section because they haven't looked there yet naturally. And that seems like a very promising place where they might find some of these answers. But of course he is absolutely denied by Madam Pence, the librarian and the gang decides that they're going to chalk it up as an L and Harry and Ron promise that while Hermione's away for break, they're going to be doing some work to look into who this female guy could be. Uh, spoilers, I'm pretty sure they accomplish absolutely nothing while they're doing that, which further goes to show that they need Hermione around to get anything done at all. I was going to say, Ron and Harry by themselves are the most incompetent duo of all time. <laughs> just two idiot friends trying to do stuff. They're too busy, probably like play fighting with each other and just making stupid jokes. I mean, literally playing chess instead of doing yeah. anything else. Yeah, it's like us making a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have college work to do? No, 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 podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Read a 20-year-old book instead. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how could you? This is great literature, man. You can't pass this stuff up. Exactly. And then before we kind of see Hermione off for the winter, uh, we get a pretty funny exchange where Ron is like, Marty, you should ask your parents if they know who Flamel is. That should be safe. And then she just looks at him. She's like, yeah, that'll definitely be safe because uh, my parents are both dentists. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're so, an absolute idiot, Ron. Again, going back to all pure wizards are idiots. Ron just assumes that Hermione's a witch, so her parents must know wizard things, right? That's that's how that works. Dude is just super forgetful. Like I'm pretty sure they knew that Hermione's parents were muggles. And, oh, like, they do. She was he literally he sees magic, and he just assumes that her parents will have knowledge of magic, whether they're magic or not. Dude, there's like a couple good examples later on where like we clearly know the answer to something and it's like firmly established and that he asks a question related to that where it like openly goes against it. Dude, come on. We know the answer to this. What are you doing? He's an absolute idiot. And I really wanted the uh, Dumbledore is Ron with a but time traveling to be real. But you just see how stupid Ron is and it just can't. Yeah, there's no chance Dumbledore was a prodigy his whole life. No shot that Ronnie Dobbs is. Dumbledore time traveling, unfortunately. Yeah, there's no way. As Christmas approaches, uh, Ron introduces Harry to the game of Wizard's Chess, and <laughs> turns out that Ron, the same dude that went with the spray and pray approach in searching for books about Nicholas Flamel, is actually a really good strategist and really good at Wizard's Chess. Who would have thought? This blows my mind, and then later we even find that he crushes Hermione in it, too. Like, this man is probably one of the best Wizard Chess players in the world. Like, he needs to go up for World Championship Chess. He is an idiot savant. He really is. <laughs> and like we kind of learn about how the game works here is you guide your chess pieces out loud and they move for you. And then in Harry's case, he's not very good at the game yet. So if he orders out a move, they're like, what are you doing? We should not do that. Do this instead. I love how it's explained as it's just chess, but you have to tell the pieces what to do. So I'm like, so it's so it's just chess, but you don't touch it's, you're just you just don't touch the pieces. <laughs> like what? That's just normal <laughs> chess. Just not moving your hands, dude. You're saving some trouble. Right? So we get to Christmas morning, which is like both great and heartbreaking that Harry actually gets real presents. And if you look at what the Dursley got him this year, which is a very formal note and a 50 cent piece, you have to imagine that he got that or worse every year of his life. And you're like, wow, these really are assholes. Again, are in defense people. of the Dursleys, they sent him a Christmas gift. Just saying. Can't be that horrible if they're sending Christmas gifts. Put this defense of the Dursley's podcast on my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so included in HP's hall is the trademark Weasley sweater. Fun fact, I actually have one myself. Do 
it's my namesake. His name is Ron. My name is Ron. So I scooped one when I went to Universal. But I will inform you guys to be careful when you go to wash these because these are made out of like polyester or wool or something like that. And they shrink very easily. So at this point, I now have a Weasley crop top instead of a Weasley sweater. Huge bummer. They'll probably take another $100 from me next time I go there to buy a replacement or I'll learn my lesson. Stay tuned. So he also has a pretty big get in terms of an invisibility cloak, which is enclosed with a note that reads, your father left this in my possession before he died. It is time it was returned to you. Use it well. A very Merry Christmas to you. And like Rod has lost his mind because he's like, these things are super rare in general. This present is a big deal. This is a very rare and powerful item and no signature on the note. And from what the boys can see, they can't tell who this, fr- this is from. I mean, Drew, to your point, maybe the Dursleys had this tucked away when they got the Potter's will. They were like, we'll give this to Harry as a little surprise to like hold him over once he joins the wizarding world. Like if, maybe this would be a nice little present for him. If the Dursleys had any kind of magical item, it would be burned by now. Uh, I will just say that they're pretty against magic. It's been shown. The biggest thing that confused me here was how Ron even knows what an invisibility cloak is. At what point in his life has he heard about this item? Cause as we learn later, this should be the only one. So I, I don't understand. So a counterpoint to you here, we actually find out that there are versions of this cloak in that attempted to recreate it, but they are not nearly as good. Like they don't render the wearer completely invisible. Um, their magical charm wears off in time. It gets wear and tear, rips, things of that nature. So okay. that's probably what he's thinking of. That makes more sense. Yeah, because we see later that there is a character, not going to spoil too much for you guys here. His name is Mad-Eyed Moody. He actually owns his own invisibility cloak. And he lends it out to people. Oh, interesting. I did not. I did, I, that's definitely not in the movies at all. So I'll be interested to see how that gets used in the books. True. Nothing of importance is included in movies five and beyond. <laughs> <laughs> Down with David Yates. So like we'll add continuing on. Uh, Percy comes in and the twins also come in. And I just really like twins are setting Percy straight where they're like, oh, you're not sitting at the prefix table for Christmas. And like, he'd probably be sitting by himself. So like, all right, nerd, you can do that. Everybody should sit together. It's time for family. And they're like talking about, like you said, they're talking about Harry's sweater. Oh, it's funny. You don't have, or they're talking about Ron's sweater. They're like, oh, you don't have a letter on yours. She must think, she must know that you know her name. It's pretty ridiculous that she's like, she puts letters on ours. We both know we're called Bread and Forge and like things like that. I think that's really funny. I was yeah, that I was dying at that line. Uh, I yeah. I think she kind of just forgot to put the R on Ron's because I don't think the P on Percy's means prefect. I think it means Percy. So she might have ran out of thread for the R. I don't know what happened, but I don't think it was on purpose. Oh my god, because that's what I was just gonna say. Like when I I never noticed this in any reads before, but like I just caught on now that apparently there's no letter on his sweater. So like all this merch is a lie that has the R on it. But I will say, if you do want to go for authenticity next time you go to Universal, you can scoop yourself a authentic Gretter Forge sweater from the parks. And in the movie, studios. it is it has an R on it. I just looked to, to double check, but yeah, there is a 100% an R in the movie. So I don't know what's up in the book. Suspicious. Either way, so like after all this stuff, you could tell he's had the best Christmas of his dude has had. He's never had anything like this in terms of experiencing a holiday before. And he is still not satisfied. He had his fun. He had his good food. But like somebody call up Jake in bed because it's adventure time. 
Harry's like it hits him outside of just the sentimental value of this cloak. Like this thing is super usable, and the, t- the entire castle could open up to him if he's invisible. He could he could go anywhere. He could do anything. And first place on his list turns out to be the restricted section. There's no Madame Pins to stop him now. Almost nobody's in the castle. It's late at night. He can make himself invisible. Filch will never see him. Like what better time than now? And before he leaves, he considers waking up his pal Ron Weasley, but he gets like it gives him pause he's like nah like the first time gotta go by myself and this is kind of a recurring thing where he kind of thinks like this is something i have to do alone and this is something he has to experience this is his test that he has to go through and he sneaks into the library successfully but right after that his luck goes from like top of the world absolute plummet of course the first book he picks off the shelf is one that screams at you and all hell absolutely breaks loose like I don't know. I don't remember if this is in the book or not, but apparently he drops a lantern. I think that's his giveaway in the movies where he drops that lantern, leaves it behind. And he's like, I got to get out of here. He like hustles out and like just barely avoids Snape and Filch, goes into an empty classroom, but he finds something really cool, really interesting. The lantern does happen in the book, but it's not as the giveaway. It's that he literally can't see anything without it. So that's why he ends up getting stuck in the room uh, is because he can't see where he's going. Awesome. Thank you for setting me straight, Drew. Much appreciated. So he goes in the room and he finds this meat has an engraving on the top. And oh God, my reading is going to be so bad. I need to, like, I might have to do like the little phonics slide to like sound out how to say some of these words here, but here goes nothing. So the engraving says, Erised stra eru oit ube kafru oit on wosti. Or when reading in reverse, it says, I show not your face, but your heart's desire. In what's like truly a absolutely heartbreaking and heartwarming moment, this is where like the feels train comes in, guys, all aboard. Choo-choo. So Harry comes to find when he looks into it straight on that there's a bunch of people behind him and like, whoa, where did all these people come from? Are they invisible too? He like looks around, doesn't seem behind him. And he slowly starts to piece together like, oh, these people look like me. And he starts to go through the resemblances like, red-haired woman has the same eyes as him the man next to her same untidy hair glasses same kind of like gangly build as him and it comes to like it works his way into like these are this is all his family that he never got to see yeah i love that it's not just his parents too that it's it's like all his whole lineage it's a bunch of his grandparents and aunts and uncles yeah he just keeps catching on like oh this person looks like this like this person has this feature etc etc just keeps rolling through and dude is absolutely entranced and like the text says he's hungrily staring at him he just can't get enough of this like he just wants to keep looking at him he doesn't want to stop and he feels like this crazy feeling inside of him where it's a mix of joy he's happy that he could finally see his family but at the same time it's a terrible sadness he never got to meet these people you know he's looking at them and he's meeting them for the first time and he can't even he sees this vision of his parents and he can't even like reach out and touch them. He can't interact with them in any way. It's just solely down to he could wave at them and they could like wave back. Like that's really it. So he's so close, but he's so far. And the glass of the mirror kind of acts like something we'll see later on, which is a veil kind of separating life from death. And it's de- it's definitely good. It's a really happy moment that he gets to see that stuff. But at the same time, it's also really sad because he can't really act on any of it at all. Absolutely. I'll touch on this really quick now and then I'll, touch on it again later just keep in mind the importance of the veil between life and death for when we meet the other character in this room later 
Exactly. Yep, definitely very well said, Drew. It's definitely something that you should keep in mind as we go through here. I only say it out loud because it's one of my favorite fan theories, and I'm going to forget if, <laughs> if we get to that point if I don't say it. So now I'm going to remember, <laughs> and I will bring it up when we get to that point. All good, my man. All right, so as soon as Harry Seamus wants dude is super consumed, he wants to just keep going back and keep looking in the mirror. So like, it's on his mind. He, dude can't eat he just wants to keep going and like he tells ron after he tells him about the story he's like all right you can come with me you can look at my parents with me and he's like all right sweet like i'm excited so they go to back to that room and we start to see some more of the magic behind them behind the mirror and ron looks in the mirror himself but he doesn't get to see the things with harry like when he's looking over his shoulder he can't see the same stuff so like harry's like here go stand here and he like puts him in that place and he looks into it and then for him who's the boy like we had always been touching on before he's been surrounded by great brothers and you see what his desire is and that is to outdo all of them he wants to stand alone in greatness in doing so his vision of himself is him with all the combined accolades of all his brothers before him head boy house cup champ quidditch captain quidditch champ and then he's taking it in and harry's just like all right dude cool good for you like get out of the way that's boring let me see my parents and like the two start arguing over the mirror until Mrs. Norris comes in and they're like, they just bail out of there. Super close call. Very, very uh, precarious, very dangerous situation here. Yeah. Uh, I really don't enjoy how they show this in the movie, how they show what Ron sees in the mirror, because it shows him as just being greedy and selfish. It doesn't explain that he wants all of this because he wants to stand out as not just one of the Weasley children. He's not doing this because he wants to be the best of all time at all this stuff. And I, I, I'm just greedy and want everything for myself. It's that he wants his own image. He wants to be Ron, not the Weasley kid. hundred percent. Correct. man. he really just wants to like in a family where he had tons of brothers before him. And they make a point where it's like, Oh, it seems like Mrs. Weasley was going for a daughter. Cause he eventually has a younger sister. It gets put in his mind that he's kind of the son that was never wanted or the forgotten son. So that's where a lot of that comes up. And the next day, despite like Ron's actually kind of got a pretty good feel for this. So like, say what you will about him. Like dude is a dumbass sometimes, but he's like kind of in tune with this. Good for him. I'm being on top of this. He's like, dude, you probably shouldn't go back. There's something sketchy about this mirror. When Ron but, is saying you shouldn't do something, probably shouldn't do it. That's the line. Yeah. But Harry's like, nah, nephew, I'm about to check this out. So he goes in and of course he gets caught by the man himself, uh, Mr. Albus Dumbledore. And instead of getting into trouble, we get like a really nice kind of heart to heart between the two of them. And we said we were joking about before in classic fashion, Dumbledore really won't give him the answer about what the mirror does. He is not usually direct and like as annoying as, as it could be. He's like letting Harry test himself and work things out for himself. So he's like, what do you think this mirror does? And Harry gives him an answer. He's like, oh, not quite. Think about this in some other ways. And he like kind of rolls through it. And eventually they come to the same conclusion. So Dumbledore's able to explain that the mirror doesn't says in backwards, writing up at the top, it shows the viewer their heart's deepest and most true desires. And then Dumbledore's saying, dude, this is a very powerful mirror. And you can see Harry's exhibit A of why this is very powerful. And like the mirror has a very strong hold over him. And he tells him the mirror's getting moved and do not go looking for this mirror. And we get a really good ending to this chapter. And I'm probably just going to read through it just so we could actually cover the entirety of the text here those reading at home it's the top of page 214 to follow along so Dumbledore says if you ever do run across it you will now be prepared 
It does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Remember that. Now, why don't you put that admiral cloak, admirable cloak back on and go off to bed? Harry stood up. Sir, Professor Dumbledore, can I ask you something? <laughs> this is so, this is a funny, like, little, it's such a troll line, like you said. It's like, obviously, you've done so. Dumbledore smiled. You may ask one more thing, however. <laughs> what do you see when you look into the mirror? I, I see myself holding a pair of thick woolen socks. Harry stared. One can never have enough socks, said Dumbledore. Another Christmas has come and gone, and I didn't get a single pair. People will insist on giving me books. It was only when he got back into bed that it struck Harry that Dumbledore might not have been quite truthful. But then he thought as he shoved scabbers off his pillow, Ron, keep your pet in check. What are you doing? Let it <laughs> crawl around in your friend's bed. It had been quite a personal question. So I think that's a pretty powerful end to any chapter that yeah. he'll read. So obviously we've determined that that was a lie. And I'm glad that Harry also determined it. But slight spoiler into... Dumbledore's background it's really not that important the fact that it happens it's more important how it happens which I'm not going to get into at all but Dumbledore clearly has someone that he loves that has been lost in his past so this is what I was talking about earlier how this is a veil between life and death you can see what you most want within this mirror there my absolute favorite fan theory in Harry for Harry Potter is that Dumbledore went and tried to create his own three magical items to not really replicate the three most powerful items in the world but make three that were as strong that did what he wanted which was to bring his sister back to life so this was one of those three where it was he tried to create something to show him how to bring her back to life and then the deluminator was actually something created to try to capture a soul before it was lost but it failed and all it could do was capture light and this failed, and it could only show you what you want, but not how to get it. And then we'll you know, Drew, I... get to the third one, I think, in Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, you know, I've never heard that theory before. That's very interesting. It's my absolute favorite one because it, it's, it makes so much sense. Dumbledore is not the type to just sit around when it comes to things that he actually really wants. He goes out, he gets it, he's not afraid to use, not dark magic, but a little bit of, like, in-between to try to get it. And this is the first real taste we get that Dumbledore does not screw around. This is super powerful magic that he's messing around with this, and he's showing this 11-year-old how to use. It's very well said, Drew. I, I think you put it together pretty well right there. I think you did a really good job of kind of, without giving away too many spoilers, I think, I think you did a good job of kind of letting us in on a little bit of the magic here. If I was a prefect and anybody that was not Hagrid or Filch, I would totally give you house points for that. Unfortunately, oh. I do not have that ability. So nice. much like Hagrid, you're useless to me. <laughs> exactly. Unless I'm the plot needs to be moved forward. <laughs> oh man, I am Mr. Plot Pusher. Don't you worry. <laughs> so at another chance to not earn points, Drew, what is chapter 13 called? Well, Hagrid, I'm going to go with Nicholas Fomel. <sighs> you are correct. Very exciting that we got this chapter name that came up here. It's certainly a struggle, but Harry's doing what he can to get the mirror out of his mind. That's how we kind of open up this chapter here. And kind of shocking turn of events here. Very different reactions from Ron and Hermione when Harry talks about his meeting with Dumbledore and his the dreams that have come up since he's interacted with the mirror. Ron kind of sees that as a concern that it, the mirror was totally driving him crazy, especially as seen like in the dreams. And it seems like he's kind of appealing to more like the empathetic side of things. 
And, and then Hermione's like, what do you mean that you broke the rules? And what do you mean you also didn't find anything out about Nicholas Hamel? <laughs> so Hermione's got the mission in check here and sticking to her principles. But at least we have our buddy Ron to kind of appeal to Harry's emotions and kind of check on his well-being that way. So as we go on, Quidditch practices are getting a little more intense, especially because the team's actually in pretty good position this year. Very nice welcome change to the previous years. And they come to find out that after what went down in the last match, Snape is now going to be refereeing the upcoming Quidditch match. So it is very cool that the school also acknowledges that Madame Hooch is fucking useless, and they're going to put someone out there that can actually do magic to save the kids if shit goes down. So good on you, school. But unfortunately does not last long they revert right back to madam hooch as our referee after this game i do feel so. bad because this is actually a 100 iq 200 iq whatever this is a super smart move by dumbledore to put snape as the referee for this game to try to avoid what occurred during the last game but the kids don't know that and snape doesn't know that and madam hooch probably doesn't know that so again everyone's in the dark and just feels like an absolute turd except dumbledore just sitting up on his throne like hmm, i'm the greatest of all time puppet master dumbledore up there playing 5d chess while everybody <laughs> else is playing hopscotch yeah. <laughs> so we keep going on and like this couldn't have come at the worst time to like the team if they beat hufflepuff they'll overtake slytherin in the house cup standings for the first time and they what they acknowledge is 70 years which is pretty crazy so you truly can't overstate the importance of this game and the trio itself they're especially freaked out and they're offering harry a bunch of advice to kind of get him out of the situation oh i dropped my red bull can that's embarrassing sorry everybody so they're kind of outlining a bunch of interesting advice methods to kind of get him out of the situation which on page 17 we see a variety of a variety of offerings here with hermione saying don't play said hermione at once say you're ill said ron pretend to break your leg hermione suggested really break your leg said ron <laughs> great job by our by our squad here to kind of give harry the support he needs and to give him some great ideas on how to get out of a quidditch match yeah, but thanks for being as useless harry, as usual ron yes but as we know there are no reserves and there is no reserve seeker so harry really doesn't have any choice and they would be playing under bad because the whole hierarchy of quidditch teams and the fact that no backups exist is absolutely stupid also, can we note that the boys found out a way to apparently knock Hermione down a peg via wizard's chess, where Harry comes in to tell them this news, and Ron is playing Hermione and absolutely trouncing her. And they they claim that Hermione not being good at it and losing it is, quote, very good for her. Yeah, they also see what I see, that uh, Hermione is very stuck inside her own head and needs to be woken up. And Ron uses his latent genius ability, the one thing he's good at, to attempt to do that. Ron Weasley, idiot savant, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> And then we get poor hapless Neville, who, of course, no teachers are in the hallway to see this and, like, get anybody in trouble. Like, Malfoy's used the leg locker curse on him while they're, like, walking through the hallway just to mess with them. And they're like, dude, come on. You're better than that. Don't. You got to stand up for yourself. In a quite nice gesture, Harry gives Neville a chocolate frog to raise his spirits, where he tells him he is worth 12 of Malfoy. And upon receiving the collectible card from Neville, because Neville's not collecting, he's like, oh, here, Harry, I know you're collecting. Like, there you go we turn it over, it's a Dumbledore card. And who's mentioned in the flavor text on the back? None other than Nicholas motherfucking Flamel, leading to an absolute avalanche of brain blasts where Hermione comes running down with a giant book that has key to the rest of it. Flamel was apparently a very highly accomplished alchemist and is known as 
the only maker of the Sorcerer's Stone, or more properly, the Philosopher's Stone, where you see it in a lot more in a lot more uh, different texts here. I was gonna say, a huge uh, Full Metal Alchemist fan, so Philosopher's Stone hits harder for me than Sorcerer's Stone does. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Thank you, Drew. And then for those of the those that aren't familiar with that series, they're probably in the same boat as Rod and Harry. So they're just like, uh, what? And then Hermione keeps like spreading the dollar. She's like, stone has a lot of powers. It turns metal to gold and it produces the elixir of life, which whoever drinks it, it extends their lifespan. And it makes them essentially immortal. So we get to the day of the Quidditch match and Ron and Hermione low-key practicing leg locker to stop any funny business. And then even Dumbledore came to watch. Look at that. Big game. Truly big game. I'm sure he's not a favoritist in any sense of the word here in being a watcher. So match starts and of course... Snape's already doing better than Hooch, immediately issues a penalty on Gryffindor, but again, largely George's fault here. Do not shoot a bludger at the referee. Don't be an idiot. Yeah, that one I have to give to Snape. As as much as I thought he was going to be biased during this match, that's that's on Gryffindor. That's their fault. Yeah, definitely. Actually, a fair call. And then, to make matters worse, of course, Malfoy can't just sit by himself. He finds some space near our Gryffindor friends and immediately starts stirring up shit. He's just like, Hit off, throw it off insults after insults, and like, ugh, I really hate to say this. I really hate to say it. He gets some very good digs, and I thought I I thought these were hilarious. And like, my personal favorite was he's making fun of Neville, and he's like, Longbottom, if brains were gold, you'd be poorer than Weasley, and that's saying something. Like, that's actually good. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I, I I will give it to Malfoy. That is the kind of insults that I was more expecting out of a genius Slytherin than what he's been using. Yeah, definitely some of his best work. Very good. He saved some of his best insults for this prime scenario. Just there's his cunning right there. He belongs. <laughs> but then he makes one joke too far. Ron is like, all right, dude, that's enough. And he just jumps out of it and starts swinging instantly. And then the image of like, Neville's just like kind of watching this go down and then he's like oh I should probably jump in and he just leaps in you watched Drake and Josh when it was on right yeah you know anytime there was some fighting going on and Josh is remotely involved he just kind of watches and then he like kind of shrugs and just like flings himself into the pile that's exactly what I was imagining body bombs into everybody (laughs) absolute props to Neville here my boy is getting it done he tried his best. He took on, he takes on a crab and goil at once, and apparently they knock him out cold, and he's still unconscious in the hospital wing after this fight goes down. So while all this is happening, like everybody's kind of distracted in that area of the stands, but Harry, it apparently what's record time, just scoops the snitch and gets the dubs for Gryffindor, and like everybody's super stoked. Again, first time they're overtaking the House Cup in fucking forever. They've been in if, if, seven years <laughs> if i had questions before this match about quidditch this just blew my mind an 11 year old just caught a snitch in five minutes a professional team took three months to catch the snitch i'm hoping that this is just some kind of watered down like it has to be bigger it has to be slower it has to be shinier there's no way this is a professional grade snitch or i just don't understand professional quidditch Specialty Hogwarts size snitch, my friend. It has. I would be fine if that is the case. I don't know, man. I guess some of these some of these professionals aren't all they're cracked up to be, or maybe their fields are just like seven times the size of the pitch at Hogwarts. I guess it could just be bigger, but otherwise, I don't understand why Harry goes on to become a cop instead of a professional seeker because he's clearly the best that ever played. Yeah, I don't know. He's 
a lot of opportunity wasted. Uh, a lot of talent left behind. He went pro in something other than sports, so good for him. D1 draft pick and decided to drop out of college to go be a cop. Like, come on. <laughs> oh, my God. I saw something. It was like a Tumblr post where people were tearing down the Harry Potter series, and they basically said that Harry is your local hometown hero jock that never left his hometown growing up. Yeah, he's and a trust, like trust fund kid who becomes a cop. Yeah, exactly. He becomes a cop, marries his high school sweetheart. They just keep going down the list, and it's like, oh, my God, it's actually true. 100% true. <laughs> I always get a kick out of that every time I see it. I think it's really funny. Absolutely. It's only funny because so, it's the most true thing about these books. Oh, my God, I know. It's such a bummer. <laughs> Harry Potter's a jock. Yeah. For some reason, everybody else has gone back to the rooms already, and Harry's going back by himself after the game. But – he sees Snape just kind of running towards the forest and then Mr. Nosy Rosie here. He's like, oh, I got to see what's going down. This is definitely shady. So he takes his broom, flies up, and he overhears a conversation and doesn't make it look good for Snape. Does not look good for him at all, where Snape's like, like you don't watch me as your enemy, Quirrell. And he's just like being overly threatening to him and just asking him to identify where his loyalties lie and things of that nature. And Harry he hears all this and he's like, oh, my God. Oh my god. Oh my god. And he hustles back to the door, but he just like sprints and busts through. He's just like hustling. He's like, run, run this way. He like drags him out to a classroom and he's like running through everything. And they're really starting to buy into his theory now. And then they're like, so you're saying right now that the Sorcerer's Stone is the only, it's just being protected by Quirrell's right now, right? And then Raj is like, the stone will be gone by next Tuesday. <laughs> Poor Quirrell, dude. Gets roasted by students. Uh, he he brings it out himself. He does. Yeah. Weasley Twins just smacking him in the back of the head with snowballs and Ron making fun of him. Oh, yeah. Got him. Freaking got him. So we, we're going to roll into our last chapter of this section, which is chapter 14, uh, Norbert the Norwegian Ridge back here. So the gang is doing all they can to keep tabs on Quirrell throughout this time. They're trying to defend him in whatever way they can. They'll like keep listening at the door in the third floor corridor and they're trying to make sure basically everything is safe and there's all this defense going down. But Hermione's got some other priorities naturally. We got to start studying for finals here. Man, I know it's it's just finals and no shot I'd start studying 10 weeks ahead of time. And Drew, I know for a fact that you would not either. So this is ludicrous, but like this is part of the reason why Hermione's the greatest student in Hogwarts history, man. She's just a genius. So I, I have changed my from. ways, Ron. I'm no longer the kid you knew from high school or the dropout you knew from college, okay? I am a different me. I start studying more than two hours beforehand now. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, what? So, Drew, you started, like, looking at everything two days before the test? I uh, legitimately, you... I took, a, it's kind of like an AP test, but you don't have to take the class when I was in the Air Force to get some college credit. And I studied a total of 80 hours before the test. It was wow. the only test in my Air Force career that I failed. Every other Jeez. test after that, I did not study whatsoever. I said, if I studied 80 hours and I failed, I'm going back to my tried and true method in high school <laughs> of just not studying. And I aced nine tests in a row without studying. I don't know what it is with my brain that doesn't work like a normal human. Man does his best work when the heat is on. I really do. That's what it comes down to. I really do. Uh, you got the clutch gene, man. I mean, Skip Bayless would be all over you <laughs> right now if he could swing you into something. Meanwhile, Hermione's <laughs> studying for his sophomore year finals before freshman year starts. Yeah, I know. She's fucking nuts. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> I mean, I think she kind of makes more sense with what you would typically see from anybody who is born from normal parents that are going to a wizarding school. They try to absorb anything and everything that they can. They'd be like, this is freaking cool. 
I need to get some more of this in my life. In a manner, yes. I absolutely would have read all of those books the summer before, but I, I wouldn't study like her. Like, she's just reading boring books at night. I'd be reading, like, the history yeah. of Quidditch and the and how spells were made and the history of Dumbledore, not, like, potions. Hey, man, what are you saying? Are you saying, like, a Hogwarts, Hogwarts of history doesn't get your jollies off? No, 100%. That's what I'm saying. I would be reading Hogwarts okay. of history. All right, all right, all right, all right. I wouldn't be grabbing a fifth-year potions class book and reading that at night. Got it. Yep, fair point. Fair point. I could see it. I'd want to learn how to make more cool stuff come out of my wand phrasing than reading <laughs> books about how to make potions. Although I guess like if I have a specific potion in mind, I, I don't know. That's tough. You're right. You're right. Maybe in defense of Hermione, which is never going to be a video because way too many people like her because yeah, she's great. The actress was far too good. Can't remember her name. I'm so bad with names. I've been dying names. I know it's Watson. Emma Watson. Emma Watson. I knew it was Watson. There you go. Um, Emma Watson was just too good at playing her, so now everyone loves her. But I digress. We'll 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 talk more about. I don't okay. I don't want to get into it. We'll we'll make fun of the movies later. That yeah, we have an entire time. movie yeah. show just for this. Exactly. Should we bring Brandon and Billy on that one, or should Absolutely. we save them for the book and review? No. All right, sweet. Movie review. Okay, movie review. Hell yeah! All right, sounds good to me. So for those of you that don't know, we're going to be operating under a large umbrella of podcasts and two of our good friends well, uh, that we've met through other friends, uh, Brandon and Billy, are going to be hosting their own podcast, hopefully. Name is still TBD, but we're going to bring them on for insight. It's actually kind of fun because Billy is also a pretty big Harry Potter fan and Brandon is currently doing a read through the series. He's on book two as we speak. So it'll be good to get an, it's some perspective on somebody who's actually never read the books and will get a they're getting kind of a fresh look at it compared to what they saw in the movies so i think it'll be cool i stay tuned guys it'll be pretty cool to check out so getting back into where we were in the text of course hermione gets her way and she drags the dudes down to the library and of course ron is like this is dumb i'm not gonna remember any of this he throws down his quill he's like looking out into the distance like out at all the sunshine and all the nice weather and they just see hagrid trolling around in the library looking for books and we're like we know hagrid doesn't read for fun no shot. He's busy playing with his animals. So they're like, Hagrid, what are you doing, dude? They're like trying to do a little back and forth with them. And it eventually results in Hagrid inviting the kids down to his hut later for something that he won't give them a clue for. And then it's another hard team. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> another mind blowing thing. Ron gets the idea. He's like, let's find out what he was looking at. And he goes to where he was in the library and finds out that he was looking up dragon stuff. Of course, of all, like, how does Rhea over Hermione to figure out what's going on? Like, Ron, I don't understand. Ron's actually <laughs> absolutely coming in clutch lately. Chess and now using his brain? Like, first time that's ever happened. Uh, props, Ron. Oh, my props. God. Props. Clap it up. I th oh, my God. You're right, dude. I think it's going to start overheating now, and we got to turn it off for another <laughs> chapter or two. <laughs> Until next book. <laughs> <laughs> But then he drops the news to the guys that dragons are illegal to have as pets. And we all know Hagrid isn't dumb enough to try to break the law, right? Anyway. Definitely won't happen Ryzen. literally every book. Oh my God. He's so, he's so nice, but he's so dumb. I know I'm um, beating this to death, too. But I'm just going to bring up the fact that dragons are illegal to have as pets is so that muggles won't find out that dragons are real. So instead, they just let dragons run around in the wild. The wizard yeah, statute of secrecy is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I was going to say it's a myth, but I think you're also pretty spot on. <laughs> so the group arrives at Hagrid's later, and he's, like, being super sketchy, and there's a lot of just weird stuff going on here. He's got all his curtains drawn. 
it's really hot in there. And they're like, try to figure out what's going on. Hagrid tells about the stone. And naturally, he's as easy to crack as an iPhone screen. And of course, thanks to Hermione's careful <laughs> flattery, he immediately begins to spill all the tea. All the teachers apparently at Hogwarts have set up a type of challenge or guard in order to protect the stone. And that also includes Professor Snape. So that's where his vehement defense of the professor comes from in this in this section here. And the gang is like, well, maybe there's maybe there's a shot here that Snape is weaseling his way into the solution to bypass all these protections. And he's he's done it successfully so far, except for Quirrell. And of course, Quirrell, somehow, he's the only one that's not cracking. Mr. Nervous guy here who could barely finish the sentence without stammering all over his words, just like I just did there. And they also apparently he also hasn't figured out how to get past Hagrid's because as they'll find out, Hagrid told nobody how to get past Fluffy yet. <laughs> and then we just find out, of course, he's not dumb enough to break the law. Just kidding, he is. He has a massive dragon egg in his fireplace. And apparently the night before, he went to the village, which we find out is Hogsmeade. Stay tuned for Prisoner of Azkaban to learn more about this lovely area. And um, throwing back some dregs. This is definitely a weeknight, too. Like, dude, get your shit together. Okay, and... but what actually is his job that he can't just go drink on a weeknight? Man actually isn't in charge of anything but manhandling trees into the building. Fair point. He could roll out of bed at like 9 o'clock in the morning and just go right to work. Kind of like a lot of us are doing right now while we're in quarantine life. So play cards with some random stranger and want a dragon's egg. Somehow this dude just had it on him. Totally legit. And bet it during cards. Yeah, makes sense. Makes yep. total sense. I've played a lot of um, poker in my life. No one's ever offered me a dragon egg. You're not playing with the right people, man. You're not playing Could, in the right areas. Clearly not. If you have a dragon egg game, please invite me to that home game. I would love to get into it. <laughs> yeah, if you have other prizes kind of like that, I'd like to be invited too to see if I can swing that. I will throw in... Um, a pair of socks invite dobby yeah so ron's a huge fish so if you do play poker you got a fish just invite us oh my god <laughs> of course like haggard tonight like not smart enough to realize you know like if you live in a big wooden house probably not a great idea to have an illegal dragon there and where the kids are even saying that it's so hot in this building that's the only reason they notice the dragon in this wooden hut he's got it up to 120 degrees idiot even the kids are seeing the issue they come back after and ron's like i wonder what it's like to have a peaceful life which always gets me in stitches every time i read that line it's so funny yeah uh, ron um, you signed up for this you sat down across from the kid with the lightning bolt on his forehead on the train that's your problem yeah i should have known what he was in for as soon as he picked some truly extraordinary dude you should have just made friends with Seamus and Dean at this point. You would have stayed out of trouble so easily. You could have helped Neville find his frog with Hermione. You still would have ended up with Hermione in the end. But Neville yeah, exactly. would have found his frog earlier. Would have worked out. Sorry, pal. You made the wrong choice. Harry would have ended up with Malfoy. Would have been a great Slytherin. This is a great story. Why didn't we get this? Because Ron had to sit down with the lightning bolt kid. One, one act changed the entire trajectory of the series, man. Really did. Unbelievable. So, of course, it doesn't take long for the egg to start hatching, and Hagrid invites the crew down to watch. They have a good time watching it happen, and maybe they should have been a little more quiet when talking about this in a packed school hallway because Malfoy overhears them, and he goes down, and he sees the dragon hatch through a through break in the, in the curtains there. Great job drawing all the curtains, Hagrid. You did so good when you just had the gang down before. Why didn't you just do it again? He's too busy so, being a new mom, man. He's focused on his kid. Oh, my God, yeah. I don't want to get too far into it, but 
reading this section where you hear just how he's all over that dragon are so frustrating because he's just like not listening to reason and not at all it it drives me nuts i get actually frustrated it's like dude stop being so dumb just listen to these kids you clearly know that this is not intelligent it's of course to struggle but they're like the kids eventually can attack they're like hey dude you you just got to set the dragon free and eventually they come up with the idea that it's Ron's brain was off his bat. He completely forgot his brother de- deals with dragons. And of course, Harry, who's heard about Charlie maybe twice in his entire life, is like, oh, we should have Charlie take him away. <laughs> this is literally your Uh-oh. older brother's main job that he loves doing that your parents went to go see him do a couple weeks ago, Ron. You're an idiot. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so they come up with actually like a pretty good plan that should work except for Hagrid keeps having the kids come down to help him take care of his dragon. So if you're going to take this on, you should definitely be able to take, make young children try to help you with this. Just saying. So naturally, disaster strikes. Ron is bitten by the dragon, and he's in the hospital wing, recovering from an infected bite. And again, the brain is on autopilot here. He put the letter from Charlie confirming exactly what and where he was going to be in his book that Malfoy took from him. So jig is up. Malfoy knows the plan. Plot twist, doesn't know that Harry and Hermione have the invisibility cloak at their at their stead, and they use it, and somehow these two kids drag this giant dragon up through multiple staircases without making noise and without being caught at this point, so no clue how that happens. They make it to the tallest tower right on time. As they're coming up, they even get better news that Malfoy found out about this plan, tries to head them off, but he gets caught by Professor McGonagall, and McGonagall's like, dude, you're full of shit. No way this is going down. Stop making up fits. McGonagall yeah. showing that Snape is not the only one that can catch the other students out at night, getting it done. That's right. Minus 50 Our points girl. from Slytherin. <laughs> Hell yeah. The gang thinks they pulled everything off without a hitch, and Malfoy got in trouble on top of it. So, like, premature celebration, but then disaster. Filch comes out from the shadows, and he goes, well, 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 we are in trouble. Wait, but Ron... They had the invisibility cloak. How does he see him? They forgot this priceless, powerful, magical artifact on the top of the tower. Oh, Hermione, the literal smartest witch of her time, forgot the most powerful magic item in the world? Are you kidding me? Hermione's not only done nothing this section, but then it goes and screws up the one thing she's in charge of, which is being the adult in this friend group. To be fair, I think they were both dumb for doing this. Right, but Harry's always done. Ron is always dumb. It's only Hermione's job to be like, okay, kids, do you have your keys? Do you have your wallet? Do you have your invisibility cloak? Okay, let's walk down the stairs. Hermione so this might sound sad. couldn't find out who Nicholas Flamel was, couldn't find out what to do with the dragon, and now forgot the invisibility cloak. Absolutely useless in this section. Can't even beat Ron at chess. So... This might sound a little sexist, but this is totally why you need a girl in your group because they will keep everything organized. Guys are idiots. One hundred percent. That's the whole reason like, you keep them. She's attractive. Hermione's good company. She's attractive. She's, company. she's smart. She's great company, and she's good at keeping you in line. But then, at the most important part in her witch career at Hogwarts, where she literally said getting expelled is worse than death, she doesn't go and think, "Oh, huh? Are we invisible yet? Come on, Hermione." 
fair point. And also, but also have to keep in mind, if it wasn't for her, they would not be in this. They would not be anywhere close to the situation. I think they might have gotten eaten by a dog, by the giant dog, or they'd just be like fucking around getting D's on all their homework assignments. Oh yeah, they'd be expelled either from being idiots and getting eaten by a dog, or just failing all their classes. Harry oh even God, says earlier that he uses Hermione's homework. But she won't let him, like, cheat, so he asks her to teach him the homework, and then as she's teaching him, he just writes the answers down, because she's just literally giving him the answers while she teaches him. I love that. Classic move that I used in middle school. Find the smartest girl and just tell her how smart she is, and then get her to give you the answers. Oh my god, you manipulator. (laughs) And with that, Drew, we have had some ups, we have had some downs. We've cheered, we've laughed, we've cried, maybe, maybe, maybe just me. I might have been the only one crying. That's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. But now we end our section on a little bit of a downer in that our two of our members of our trio are in pretty big trouble from the looks of things. So I think this is going to be a good spot for us to conclude this week's chapter coverage of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So, Drew, I think at this point we should get into some awards that we should give out. Yeah, let's uh, jump right into MVP is the first one. All right. So, contrary, I let you go on your rant over there, but I'm going to say that Hermione was the MVP of this section. She did a bunch of stuff to largely keep the boys on track here. She helped with the Norbert rescue mission. She stopped whoever was cursing Harry during his first Quidditch match. He keeps them on. She keeps them on track, and she helps the boys with their homework. So she is started to shed off a little bit of that bossiness that had put the boys off of her early on and she's getting a little more lax about rule breaking all in all she's a pretty big help definitely not a great look that she was lumped in with harry and forgetting that they have an invisibility cloak she said of this section she said sheds um, now i'm coral she sheds her bossiness because she loses at chess she helps harry in the norbert mission and then fails the mission she did stop quote-unquote Snape during the match. She even managed to screw that one up because she thinks it's Snape. And, uh, yeah, just I don't understand how you think she's the MVP. If anything, she's the least valuable player of this section besides Hagrid because the two of them are literally useless other than plot convenience. The MVP in this section is clearly Snape because your MVP does not have to be on your team. Snape is everywhere in this section. He's given points to Slytherin. He's taking points from Gryffindor. He's getting his leg bit off by a dog. He's cornering Quirrell in a forest where no one's supposed to be. He's refereeing Quidditch. Man is getting it done. Uh, okay, I'll I'll let you, I'll let you have that. I mean, it's better Not than Hermione. Shh. Come on, man. Justice for Miss Granger. Okay, best dunk. All right, so I hate myself, but it's all of Malfoy's jokes on Rod and Neville during the Quidditch match against Hufflepuff. I actually laughed out loud when I was reading that, but I was like, "Oh no, what have I become?" I did, I did, I did laugh, and I—that is immediately where my head geared as well. But I had to go with Ron punching Malfoy as his rebuttal because words are not always the best defense. Sometimes you just gotta knock a man out. Oh yeah, he gave he gave the dude a black eye. It was fantastic. Oh yeah. So the best dunk was the physical one, because Ron's like, you know what? I can't beat this man with verbal. Might as well just use my fist. I don't normally condone violence against or odd children, but I was very happy to see Balfoy get a little shot right in the chops. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're going to go with our with our best chapter ending in any one section. So easily to me, it was the end of chapter 13 where they're going over. Wait, so Squirrel's the only thing standing between Snape and the stone, and then Ron's like, 
it'll be gone by next Tuesday. <laughs> Absolutely agree here. This is this was hilarious. I was dying laughing. This was funnier than any of Malfoy's insults. Ron just <laughs> dumping on Quirrell is fantastic. Uh, we'll talk about it more of the movie pod, but they kind of they kept the spirit idea of Ron being comic relief largely in the movies, but they took it a little too far because we see some of his other contributions here, but dude is also hysterical and a lot of his really good digs are also left out of the movies which i'm super bummed about he does he does get a lot cut out of the movies sad anyway uh so something that you should keep in mind going forward our bulletin board material so to speak so mine has a little bit more of an impact in the end game but definitely pay close attention to the fact that the first snitch that harry caught was caught in his mouth that's all i'm gonna say uh really good point i honestly forget that that happens in this book because it's so long until we get a payoff for that. But yeah, I said at the beginning that this whole section is set up for later, but specifically I'll have to go with Hagrid saying which professors helped create the puzzles to guard the stone, because now you can kind of start to get your brain reeling on what those professors would require from whoever would pass. Yeah, I agree. And then I think the payoff is really good once we start to see those obstacles in play. Absolutely. I'm really sad that a lot got cut out of the movie, so I'm I can't wait to see all of them in their glory uh dude i'm already planning out going super in depth for those it's gonna be fun best use of magic best use of magic so i think more in terms of adopting a very key theme to these books i'm gonna go with the mirror of erised in this section Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where it's really it's a beautiful example of it but it's actually it's also very deeply dangerous and i think we see a lot of examples of that as we go through these books where something is like it's very cool powers and very cool magic, but on its head, but then below the surface, it's actually very dangerous. Absolutely. Super good point. I mean, I had my whole thing on the mirror of Erised earlier. I, I, obviously, I love it. I only put my answer because I was very confused why it wasn't yours. Do you have a tattoo of the mirror of Erised somewhere on your body? Uh, uh, I, no. No? No? <laughs> what magic item in this section do you have a tattoo of? well the item involves a component of the invisibility cloak oh oh so you have a tattoo of the invisibility cloak but that wasn't your best use of magic in this section when we get introduced to the thing that you got a tattoo of come on ron come on oh <sighs> uh, dude you got me you got me there but disappointed i tell you let me let me kind of explain myself away here in that my big focal chapter in this section, in my mind, the big focal chapter was the Mirror Bear section. Of course, chapter. that, that so chapter is like... beautiful and magnificent, and I love the magic of the Mirror of Erised. And I wish we get to see more characters look into it, and I wish we actually did learn what Dumbledore saw. But it's the invisibility cloak, bro. Yeah. What do you think Hermione would have said if she was looking at it? At it? Straight A's. Honestly, I I think maybe uh, her as the Minister of Magic, which I love because she is clearly the most successful witch of her time. So it makes sense that what she would see, she actually does accomplish. Yep. And Muggleborn, no less. Yeah, exactly. Gotta love it. Comes up from uh, less than, apparently in the eyes of the wizarding world, less than stellar heritage and goes on to be great. Yeah, because Dumbledore makes it very clear that it is whatever you see is accomplishable it just has to be realistic yeah definitely definitely big ups for our girl hermione granger the mvp of the section <laughs> so strongly section disagree <laughs> touchdown <laughs> which part of the section made you happiest so i think we're both gonna be in line with quidditch here but it might be different games so 
mine was seeing the Gryffindor team get that W against Slytherin just because Slytherin's a bunch of racists and they suck. So it was good to see Absolutely. and the team sun them. You went with the underdog story, but mm-hmm. that was more Harry being abused on his broom than Quidditch. Because like I said, it was a very strange pacing at the end when he actually caught the snitch. Whereas him catching it in Hufflepuff, man woke up that morning, saw Snape as the ref and was like, it's game time. If I don't get this done in the first 10 minutes, we're screwed. And then got it done in record time. Harry oh absolutely spanking the poor Hufflepuff team is absolutely my <laughs> touchdown. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, I love to see these Quidditch Ws, man. So we're going to get into our last one here. So which piece of this section would be our all-time unforgettable moment? Something that like you could totally see ESPN making a 30 for 30 on. In my view, it was definitely the conversation at Mirabara said between Harry and Dumbledore it's very poignant and it gives us one of like the all-time great quotes I it, you're very hard-pressed to look at any of the Harry Potter media online and not see this at least once where you see that Dumbledore says it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live and I think that's something that people should definitely kind of pick up on as they maybe it's something they should kind of live with that they should live with as a motto I think that's it's a very good ending of a chapter and just the conversation is really good and you get to see Dumbledore start to do his thing where he'll test Harry and he'll push him and prod him in the right direction but ultimately he's like I want you to come up with the solution by yourself I think you have the capabilities to do it yeah this one was tough for me I thought about using the snitch like you talked about the, his first niche that he caught and then I thought about using the restricted section because that was like the coolest thing to me in the chapter but I you have to go with the mirror I ever said it's just it is the most important thing and i would honestly myself make a 30 for 30 about just the mirror forget harry's involvement and dumbledore's involvement so it's got to be that i gotta agree with you awesome yeah definitely it's very very interesting magical artifact and it is a shame that beyond this book we don't really see it very much at all i don't think i think it's barely mentioned it's only like it's a couple one-offs here and there which is very good seeing as what it does to harry imagine what it would do to anyone with a less strong heart very true and that's going to wrap up our award section and guys listeners i hope you all had as much fun as we did going through this section of harry potter and the sorcerer's stone drew i don't know about you i had a great time i did too we went a little long on this one so sorry to anyone that was expecting our uh, i can't even say our normal video links because we seem to go long more often than not but uh there's just so much to go over once you get towards the end of these books and this book not being that long you hit the ending a lot faster yeah i mean i hope you guys kind of enjoyed our banner as we went through definitely was not intended to be that long but i think i think you guys will enjoy this one or i hope you enjoyed this one since this is the end you would have already gone through it (laughs) so thank you very much for listening and please tune in next time for the exciting conclusion of our first book of the harry potter series where we'll be covering chapters 15 through 17 of harry potter and the sorcerer's stone until then uh remember guys keep the magic alive and don't let the moguls keep you down Take care. See you guys.